Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Final hour means it's time for the Tennessee Power Hour across Outkick 360 and across the Outkick Network. Crew is all here. That includes Jonathan Moulton. It includes Jakob Swanson, Dylan Taylor, David Reed, the chairman of the board, and a huge cast of everyone making it happen for the Outkick Network, Becca Risley, Sleepy Danny, and others. And you. You can follow us on Twitter at Outkick360 and uh, search out whenever you get home. If you're in the car right now driving around and you know, you're going to get home on YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just search out the Outkick360 YouTube channel and subscribe today. Hit the alert button so you know we go live each and every day, 2 o'clock Central, 3 Eastern. Hello to everyone in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, North Alabama, Shoals. who's listening on the Outkick 360 radio network right now. Fox Sports we, Shoals. We love you, Fox Sports Shoals. We appreciate you. I also appreciate the fact that now with our radio network, we have David Reed running our radio network, and now he faces me during the show. <laughs> Before, it was very uncomfortable because Reed and I were almost shoulder-to-shoulder looking the same direction, and there's something much more comforting now with Reed behind a microphone, behind the board, doing everything properly that he's supposed to be doing for the radio network. You have Elton John over here behind the piano. And then looking at each other. Yeah, it's like a duet. It's like a piano duet. It's a song. You're the piano man. I feel much much more confident when I can make eye contact with Chad. Yes. It just just brings a certain security to my life. Same here. It's like uh, Hutton and I in Gainesville sharing an Airbnb where my foot, the room was so small, my foot was almost attached to Hutton while we're sleeping. There's a comforting thing about it that we, that's really, it makes me secure. Either way, I love the way the radio sleep like head to foot? Very jarring when the bed collapsed. It was like a a T scenario. (laughs) So, uh, which I didn't even, if you're watching, if you're watching on uh, YouTube, you can, you can see uh, the mannerisms here and I'll try to describe this for radio listeners as well. But I was on a pullout couch in the Airbnb and at first it was flat. Uh, it was okay. It was, it, you know, it, it, it wasn't was fine. the worst. It's okay it was fine. for a drunk man. It was fine. Uh, but no, extremely sober. Yeah, actually. Um, we, we had work to do uh, the next morning. Um, and the bed then collapsed in like this. <laughs> oh, the V. Uh, so the, the v. v. So it was like if you have a BC powder pack yeah. and you're taking the BC powder, my bed collapsed inward like the bc powder How's paper that, for the back? that just is very like a v-shape um it was you're a young man but that's I, not good for anybody i'm back. a heavy sleeper i slept right through it like i was in a cocoon yep but uh the next day i woke i, I remember waking up at like 5 a.m and, and i was die. just like man I, I was stiff couldn't move and uh it, difficult to get out of that taco that you're in yeah i was bent in so much I couldn't, I couldn't look over and touch chad you know it was very it was that, very that alarming. was the worst part about it <laughs> by the way to also explain chad, to our, your bed was fine to explain to it was fine <laughs> to explain to our radio listeners about what the shape hut was making he was doing from top gun where maverick says we were inverted and he's doing the hands like that that's that's what happened with the bed at that point i heard it Cave in, and I think <laughs> my response over. was to roll over into a more comfortable position yeah, yeah. and go right back to sleep. He'll be fine. 
The, the bed situation, Paul, was it was two rooms, but there was no door between the two rooms. Yeah. And so the, it's the really fold-out not. couch. What defines a room well, was is a, its separateness an from another room. You know what I mean? There's like an entryway. You could have put like beads up in between us. So that's it. Oh, I like the beads. There's a fold-out couch Hutton's on, and then my bed almost connected to it where it was a T. It's a very So I could almost reach out my foot and kick Hutton at some point. Yeah. I'm sending out a picture of you and Reed facing one another. It's so beautiful. everyone can see that. Coming I, feel, up, I feel reunited with Reed. Coming up, uh, Chad gives us his reasons for why Florida and Tennessee will not be much of a second-half game. That will be discussed this hour. But we start with what Paul just tweeted out. The best Titans conversation you will find, what they fixed, and what is left to work on. Let's start with what they fixed, Paul. What they fixed was up front in the run game with the offensive line, and that came in the second half. They got rolling, and the question is, is this now them? Here's, here's my question about the run game. Is what we saw from, from the first team run game, is what we saw the first six quarters a preseason look, and what we saw the final two, the final half, was more regular season, season Henry? and a seasoned offensive line that were they picking up where they left off last year is you that would, too simplistic you would hope i mean I, I think i think the thing here we touched on it yesterday right now they got real difficulties on the offensive line right in this game the tackles were okay and the problems were really inside ben jones is struggling a bit Nate Davis wasn't I, particularly good. Let's go. I, I love the way Jones battles, though. Yeah, because he, he, he fights. He like fights hell. through those nagging injuries. Um, I, I think he's a guy who sets the tone for what they want their identity yeah, to be. He's the leader of the, yeah. of the group, but he, he's not been very good through these two games. Brewer comes in for Saffold. Look, Brewer's also a fighter, but, you know, he's, he's a little overwhelmed in this situation where he's not expecting Was to it Minnesota in. last year where he had to jump in? Baltimore. Baltimore, yeah. And he played that's a good right. game. Yeah, that's he right. He played he a did. good game. He did. And, uh, and I don't think Nate Davis was particularly good in this game. Um, but collectively, look, they're down to three backups or, or two backups and a starter you don't want starting um, with the two tackles and then Brewer in the game. You, by doing what you do best, which is running Derrick Henry, mask that offensive line because it's easy, far easier to run block than it is to pass protect in yes. the NFL. And when you're uh, run blocking for Derrick Henry is not the most difficult job for an offensive lineman in the NFL. You can take an average offensive lineman, a replacement level offensive lineman, and ask him to run block for Derrick Henry and survive as compared to asking him to block for, uh, for, for Ryan Tannehill against uh, uh, Pete Carroll's scheme and a good defensive front from Seattle. That's a much more difficult assignment. Now, Tannehill threw more than we expected or than you would expect when the Titans carry uh, hand the ball to, to Henry 35 times because they had 83 plays. Not right. because, you know, right. so there's still a lot of plays left over after those 35 handoffs. But if they can get in that frame of mind again against the Colts, that will be very good for them. I don't think any of us are expecting Lawan to resurface this week. Um, he did not go on IR today, from what I can did tell. Not, did not go on IR. They have two moves to make. They cut Bradley McDougald. Um, so he's out of the mix at safety. He was a huge problem in this game. Dane Crookshank ultimately replaced him. 
uh, Matthias Farley. I don't know if he comes into the mix. I don't know if Molden comes into the mix. But they've got to do something at safety. That The big play surrendering is a big problem. Um, so that's the thing they've got to fix on defense. We've moved it from what they fixed, the run game, into what they've got to fix. Big play surrendered on defense. They gave up. Uh, I've got the number in front of me here somewhere. 207 yards on on four plays. Four plays, 270 yards. 68-yard touchdown, a 63-yard touchdown, a 51-yard catch, a 25-yard run. That's a bucket load of yards on four plays. And they scored quickly on those big ones. Right? Yeah, Th- I those mean, the 68-yarder those... was a real killer. Well, the 68-yarder in the second half, but other th- you're, you're right. Other than that, the, the three drives at the end of the first half – were quick. Where, oh, very, felt like very knockout, quick. Felt like knockout punches. Now the rest. Well, the of one it, was two plays after the Tannehill fumble, right? And then yeah, the, and but all of them were quick. The rest of it, Vrabel points out, 100. Uh, you know, he was using vague numbers, but it's 190 yards on 48 plays. That's an average of four yards a play. That's not bad defense there, but you're not allowed to toss out the four plays. You know. Right. I thought their defense is why I would start there with what turned around in the second half. They got their run game going, of course. And they came out and went on that long drive and 80-yard touchdown drive where Henry carried the ball five times. And that was an impactful moment of the game. But Seattle then came back. They hit that busted play that where uh, they score easily. Um, but their defense, they got three sacks in the game, Paul. They, they then get off the field four times. They got off the field on third down eight times in this game, four times in the second half. In a row. 10-3. And that allowed them to build time of possession where they held the football for 24 minutes, 25 minutes. I'm not looking at the stat sheet here. Uh, over the over the second half and overtime. I mean, that was the deciding factor, uh, despite all the uh, officials getting involved and all the calls they throughout the game. They took it over at the end. They did. And, and their defense stepped up and got off the field somehow. I don't know what changed from that first half with how they were attacking Seattle to the second half, but it was a different defensive effort overall. And in, and is it as simple as the fact that they switched safeties? Because the Seattle Seahawks were going after their former safety, Bradley McDougal. Yeah, well, they switched safeties and they switched nickels. I don't know how that coincided, but they decided. And this is big because you don't see it happen very often for the Titans anyway, that they just pull a guy. And they pulled McDougal and they ultimately pulled Molden and put Chris Jackson in there, and things got better with both of those moves. Chris Jackson is not as natural a nickel in terms of the nuances of the position and everything, but Chris Jackson can run. Chris Jackson can run. And, um, you know, Crookshank, it it was just better suited than McDougal. You know, he was part of all of that communication last year. He might have been hurt for a lot of it, but he's in the rooms and stuff when they're discussing all the communication failures of last year when McDougal was was not on right. Titans campus. So two guys who uh, were around last year were part of all that communication talk, and one of whom significantly faster made a difference. Well, for all the Derrick Henry dominance, and he was in the second half on, I thought the biggest sequence of the game was put forth by the Titans defense. When they punted in overtime, Titans win the toss. They don't get anything much going. They punt. I, I think if Titans fans are being honest with themselves, they all expected – the Titans defense to let down at that point, Seattle to go down and score and in the game. And that sequence that ended with the really what should have been an intentional grounding safety in the end zone by Russell Wilson, I thought was the biggest moment in the game and just a huge rising up point 
in this season in that game by the Titans defense where they were, they were great. They needed them to come through after the offense, even after Derrick Henry was so great. Couldn't get it done on that first drive, and they stepped up in a big way. You know who else we've sold short a little bit just because we're talking about Henry so much is Tannehill, who was 27 for 40, and he had six dropped passes. He threw for 347 yards, three sacks, which he yeah. was helpless no, that's, that's on. That's a great right? point. He didn't throw a touchdown pass, which is why people tend to disregard a performance like that because Henry was busy doing the scoring. But – 27 for 46, and you could really add six to that because those balls were all placed in catchable spots while uh, A.J. Brown was dropping them. Uh, and there were three others. Three were Brown. What and, was his longest completion? 51, which was to, to Julio. Uh, to Julio. Um, so he had a really good day. The rating's not that good. It's 94.5. But again, the drops and the lack of a touchdown. And you can't hold the lack of a touchdown against him when he's steering them to three touchdowns scored by Derrick Henry. Tannehill's been the most consistent player over the last two weeks for this team. He's been sacked nine times. He had no time in week right. one, but he, it's not like it's on him. Ball placement's been very good. Yep. Yes. Um, A.J. Brown speaks when this week? Uh, don't know yet. He did send out a tweet. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, that said somebody in his family told him he couldn't catch COVID. <laughs> After Sunday's game. <laughs> he wasn't catching anything yeah, in was, that game. It was really uh, – That was bad. Really bad. That was bad. Uh, Julio, though. Julio came alive. Yes, he and did. That's Mike the Vrabel Julio that the Titans were hoping they acquired. Mike Vrabel said something that was telling about Julio Jones about his work rate or work effort without the ball which is always telling, I think, when a coach talks about a receiver's willingness to work without the ball, kind of says something like he realized, he's kind of talking about a light bulb going on for a guy that it realizes that in order to get the ball, he's got to do some good work without the ball and that he showed a willingness to block and, do, and run routes that might have cleared things out for other people and everything. It's not an indictment of what he did the first week, but... Maybe it is a, a little bit. And Julio, it, it meant Julio Jones played a well-rounded game. And outside of those eight catches that he was doing other important work for the offense. Uh, more with the, the Titans takeaways from Seattle. Things to work on. Also things that really went well. Individuals that are playing very well to begin this season. We'll dive more into that. We will also get into Tennessee and Florida as the Vols take on their SEC rival down in Gainesville. That's all straight ahead on OutKick 360. So who have been some of the under-the-radar performers for the Titans through two weeks? Uh, hard to take away much from the week one performance, but we can compare the last eight quarters and see where we're at. Really, nine quarters if you count overtime. OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. Christian Fulton's got to be at the top of the list, right, with his yes. individual play. Uh, his play against D.K. Metcalf in particular was very strong. Uh, and He's been very good and through two games. Man, did they ever need a jolt at corner. I mean, they, they needed someone that they can count on. And while you do feel as though it's a week-to-week -week thing and you want to see more from Fulton, more consistency, the fact that he's been this consistent and that he's been tested from the jump and has done very well on the outside, that's good news for this Titans defense. Yeah, I mean, I think for all the grief that we've given them about corner, 
right now we have to give them him at least uh, a second round pick from last year is on a good course now that doesn't change anything about Caleb Farley Um, I'm not particularly impressed with Janoris Jenkins um you know, and Elijah Molden's gotten he, beat twice. He was twice. better in this game, though. Jenkins yeah. made a couple plays. He, yeah. was, he was better. But uh, and Elijah Molden, who we all like, has gotten beat deep in each of the games for a touchdown. Well, he's, he's turned into the guy that the, the two teams are attacking. Yes. And you mentioned that last week. Uh, Blake Bettingfield told you that they were going to try to get Lockett matched up and, on Molden, and, and they, they did. did. exactly that. They did. They could dictate matchups based on their receiving personnel. Um, Not so everybody's that's, as deep. That's that a weak link, including the Colt. You have to be willing to uh, leverage is not the right word. Do you say, okay, we're willing to give up a play or two with Molden because of what he presents in other packages that we can use him with while he's on the field? Yeah, give up a right. play or two. It can't be a, a bomb into the end zone play or two, right. and that that plays into who's that safety back there with Byard. And, and again, now Bayard's suffering again, right? He's playing with McDougal. And so is Bayard doing what Bayard does best, or is Bayard busy what's, helping what's cover up with Imani McDougal? Hooker? Is it a shoulder? Or? Hooker is on IR, though, right? Yeah, so he it's, is. But it's three weeks. I think it's a foot. Foot, that's right. Um, that's right. So you need him back, and he's a good player, uh, an ascending player. Um, so that's a real crimp, though. And, and safety depth, we, we had said, is, uh, is one of the issues. Mm-hmm. And, again, that's one of the spots. Like, look, I, I'll, I'll say it. There were a couple spots I didn't kick them for not going hard after because they had so many needs. And I just said, well, you can't, you're yeah. not going to get to that one. You're not going to get to that one. You're not going to get to that one. Backup safety was one. I thought Matthias Farley did some good things in training camp. Then he was dinged up for a while. And he's not at the front of the line. He's closer to the front of the line now than he was with McDougald gone. But they still have two moves to make because they made two cuts today. Who was the other one? Uh, McDougald was one, and I'm not remembering who the other one was. It'll take me. A was it a practice squad it. guy? No. Um, oh, was it? It was a defensive lineman. Oh, Anthony Rush. Yeah, they probably need another. De- that's their their fifth defensive lineman. So they need a defensive lineman, and they need a safety. So. We'll see those incoming. They probably tried out some people today, uh, and they have some people on the practice squad. I don't have a roster in front of me, but we could see um, some some promotions as well. We should also point out uh, on the what defensive line, Larell Murchison has been playing well. Uh, he's so been his starting, snaps went way down, but he started two consecutive games. Yeah. I was surprised to see him in front of uh, Autry, and I was bemoaning it, but then Autry came on, outsnapped him by a good deal, and played well. Very well. Well, Autry was one of the defensive stars in Seattle, for sure. Murchison is be. truly under the radar. Like, it, yes. he, he fits this discussion to a T because no one was talking about Laurel Murchison uh, being, being more than just a role player. Um, and he's been more than just a role player. He's in the starting lineup. So, that I mean, that's, that's uh, strong for, for him going into year two. And who was talking about David Long Jr. coming into the year also? And that was big because he played well, and they needed him in a big way because he, uh, he subbed for um, Jayon Jayon Brown, who was out. Uh, and you need them both healthy so that you could be your, your best self at, um, yep. on the, uh, at inside linebacker. Because ideally, quite frankly, you could play Brown and Long next to each other in some situations, start taking some snaps away from Rashawn Evans. What's Rashawn Evans doing? I mean, I, what, what's, 
Evans is so much more talented than what we have seen from him. And that, that I mean, that, he's failed them, and now they're, they, they failed him. Yeah, I mean, I when I watch uh, – look, I haven't noticed him. I, I think that's the best way to describe Rashawn Evans to begin this season. Yeah, how do you not notice it in I didn't notice him miss line. tackles in week one. Did you notice one. Bobby Wagner? Oh, uh, yes. Making yeah, exactly. his 20 Exactly. And look, uh, Evans – not everybody's going to be Bobby Wagner. Where he, Bobby Wagner's oh, got like 13 tackles in week one, and it felt like he had 13 in the first quarter. I mean, he was – he was everywhere. Uh, but to your point, Paul, I mean, we need to see Evans make a play. I haven't – I just don't notice him when he's out there. And I, I see him on replays. He, he's memed because you can w- watch him on skates against the Arizona Cardinals. But other than that, I mean, there, there's nothing to, to say he's, he's leaning one way or the other. He's just, he's just a guy out there right see, now. Let's go point. back to the defensive line too for a often, second. By here. the way, real quick on Evans, uh, too often – not only is he not popping for positive plays, but there's always, watching the broadcast, when you look up at a play and say, who's that guy trailing the play yeah. that far? Yeah. That looks like he's running half speed. So do you, or who's the guy getting completely knocked out so of the play fourth year, by a block? first-round pick. And too often I'm seeing, that's, oh, that's Rashawn Evans. But how about this? Yeah. Rashawn Evans, on a day where they didn't have a third inside linebacker, he only played 57% of snaps. So they were playing that dime and getting him out of there for a defensive back. You were mentioning uh, Murchison. Murchison only played 14 snaps in this game. So if you noticed him a couple times, that's good because he did well Well, on early in the game snaps. is where I noticed him. Yeah, because um, they, they played much more with, uh, with Autry in this one. He played 37. Well, as it should be, honestly. Yes. No, uh, based on I know. payroll I know. I know and status. Well, yeah, I know, the, I know you're saying the same thing, but uh, – Murchison is a bright spot knowing that they can rotate some guys. And I, I still think they want to move Autry around a lot on that defensive front. Yeah, I think they, they're capable of – They've talked about playing him on the edge, but we haven't seen it. Rush played one snap who was cut today. One snap on defense, four snaps on special teams. So they're not – you know, they, you got to have that fifth guy for insurance there, but they, they didn't use him in Seattle. Third guy on my list – Big bone Bullock, Randy Bullock. Um, a little jolt, some energy, makes a kick. They don't have to play this roulette wheel again this week where he misses a big kick and you move on, you try other guys out. Uh, thank goodness we don't have to see Ryan Santoso uh, as the next, quarter, the, the next kicker that gets a try uh, at the, the, the island that is the Titans kicker reality TV show. Um, here's to Randy Bullock surviving a week. And, and moving forward with a little consistency. Like, it, now he takes the field against Indianapolis, and I'm confident they can go make a 44-yard yard kick now all of a sudden. Uh, just when you get confident is when you get hurt. Well, there are plenty of teams across the league that, uh, that are confident in their kicker. The Titans, I'm not saying they're going to end up being uh, – I'm not saying Randy Bullock is the next uh, Ryan Suckup where he ends up with a new team and all of a sudden all is well. But – I mean, the, last year, they had kicking woes last year, and there were games early in the season where we, we saw them step up. Goskowski stepped up and made a huge kick uh, and, and Monday night, and then he made another big kick in, what, Minnesota, I believe it was, on a tight game. Um, there were missed kicks along the way, too. But th- this is a this is a energy boost and a must-win situation where they come back from the West Coast at 1-1, one and one, and it's because they got to overtime and they relied on their kicker. I am not going to begrudge any made kick, given the Titans' kicker history. But 
there were a couple of those kicks that were getting dangerously close to being pushed to the right. I know. And when he had that, I was thinking on that last game-winning kick. I'm thinking, run this to the left. And they did. It was slightly to the, you know, to the left hash where he could push it a little bit because all of his kicks were being pushed to where it was about to miss to the right every time. And even that last kick started to veer a little bit to the right but stayed right in between the goalposts. So, again, I'm not, I'm not sneezing at any made kick by a Titans kicker right now. But I also, because of the history and because of Randy Bullock's history, can't help but immediately start to put the over-under on amount of games he'll play for the Titans before getting cut. Well, even after that performance. I, I, I don't disagree with you. Uh, here's, here's really where Randy Bullock's value came in with that made kick. And you can say win-loss, they won the game. That's all true. It, it means a lot. It saved what would have been an epic performance from being lost to the ages. Think about where would we, how would we contextualize Derrick Henry's performance if they lose in overtime? Well, it would have been a great Derrick Henry performance where the team let him down. But the, the best performances are always with wins. Oh, yeah. Right? But, I mean, if Randy Bullock missed that kick and Seattle then drove down and hit a kick, it would have been about the Titans' failure to find kickers. But, we, but this week, are we talking, oh, they got the run game going all is well? Or is it they got the run game going, but still the defense be. sucks? And they still have issues at kicker, so all is lost. The story would have been the team's a bunch of losers outside of Derrick Henry. <laughs> I mean, that would have been the story from every Titans fan. If, that, if he would have had that performance. On one kick. I, I had Derrick Henry in fantasy, so I can say he had 41 fantasy points. That's a good day <laughs> for a running back. Uh, single-handedly led me to blowing out my opponent this week in the Outkick 360 fantasy league. A week after. If the <laughs> Titans would have lost in any way, it would have been very simply, Derrick Henry is a winner. Everyone else is a loser. That's what the and that's not true, but that would have been the thought from Titans fans. I mean, he's been the centerpiece of every discussion anyway. Henry, I'm talking about Paul, but the win coupled with what he did magnified it even more. To where I came in yesterday saying that was one of the best performances I've ever seen from him, and I, I still would put it up there. But a loss, it's hard to put a loss with a top performance together. It really, I mean. I, yeah, I realize Calvin been. Johnson made a Hall of Fame career out of it, but it, it's tough to do it on a, on a basis like we're asking the Titans to yeah, do. Yeah, and it would have been a devastating loss for them in that they came all the way back. Yes, a, a, yes. And then lost it. It would, have, it would have really taken a lot out of them, I think. Did you finish your list of guys who are kind of unsung? Those are the three I've I got listed. one question mark for you. Jeff Swain. If Jeff Swain played a lot in this game, and they obviously need a lot of help, and the edges weren't that much of trouble. But I, I, I've got some questions about how he's blocking. Do we think he's playing up to the standard that's expected of him? And how much of a question mark do we think he is going forward right now? If there's any question mark or any hesitation. 73% of the snaps. What did the played. rookie play? Um, um, I for, forgive me for not remembering his name. Hudson? Hudson, Tommy Hudson. Hudson played 24%. We're, if, if there's any hesitation about what Swain brings you, we're about to see more Hudson in the lineup. Where's Anthony Ferkser? Ferkser was out, hurt. I, where is he, though, on the timetable? I don't know. You know, they don't give us any It was a shoulder, right? Uh, it sounds right. I'm getting all these 
Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to get mixed up. Nicks and cuts and bruises mixed up. Confusing the body part. I mean, Ferks are really lost out because he would have been Pruitt, though he probably would have been covered more than Pruitt was covered. Michael Pruitt should absolutely be on my list. I I, I glossed over him. I I failed to mention him. He gave them a spark. It was only three catches. It was only three catches. That goes to show you how much of a difference you can make. With, with something as small as, as three catches. Yep. But there were three catches on the drive that really, if you had to pick a drive that kind of was a pivotal turn the game, reset the tone, all of that stuff, that was the coming out of halftime drive, did that, and that, that was heavy on Henry carries, Henry catches, and Pruitt catches. Well, he's lucky he didn't get a 15-yard penalty uh, with some extracurricular after the whistle on one play, but it was his fighting spirit and his energy on that drive was a couple of those catches and that play that sparked the Titans a bit, surprisingly. He was he was really He's good. He's got the attitude that they like. Yeah. Like, he fits in with what they like. And Mike Vrabel knew that when they signed him off of Houston's practice squad when they brought him in initially when they got hurt at tight end a couple of years ago. Uh, he, he knew what kind of guy they were getting, and he fits right into their mentality. Um, where are they, Paul? And we're just kind of guessing here. Where are they with Josh Reynolds on what they what they feel like they have versus what they thought they had when they signed I, I him? I think if Marcus Johnson hadn't gotten hurt, it would have been hard for Josh Reynolds to have gotten on the field yesterday, uh, Sunday. It is unbelievable to me that Don't that's you? the case two weeks in with him. Like I didn't buy the whole, oh, he's a number two receiver. But he I mean, should be I, a number three receiver. Yes. Now Chester Rogers is a more natural slot guy, and they're throwing to Chester Rogers a lot. Like yeah. to me, it, disturbingly a lot, considering they're other guys. Well, Chester Rogers. How many targets? But did see, he that get? what disturbs me about Chester Rogers getting so many targets is Josh Reynolds. That should be his target. Yeah, I'm saying. not. I'm not mad at the Titans per se. I'm mad at Josh Reynolds. Well, so Chester Rogers was targeted five times, two catches for 22 yards. What were his – scroll down on your sheet. What were his return yardage – what were they worth? Because that, that's Three where – Three punts for 32 yards. I mean, so he, he's averaging 10 and 10.7, okay. and they're only asking for 10, yeah, right? They're right. happy with 10. And then the kickoff returns is where they really pin Six them back. Six for 100 yards, they, so 16.7. They, they they're daring him, him to come uh, out. Exactly. They're not putting the ball in the end zone. They, I mean, they, they very clearly, as the game went on, were kicking it to the five, to the four. Now compare that to, what, to what's happening. Uh, and watching the Bucks falcons game, I rewatched that last night um, – and it had nothing to do with the Falcons, trust me. Yeah, I was going to say. But the it. one thing that I took away from it is there is some Tampa, there. Tampa refused, absolutely refused to give Cordero Patterson a return. They Would you? They Well, here's the difference in the return games and just comparing the two teams and a bad team but an emphasis on special teams and a guy who was a free agent was available. Um, they're, they're not kicking to Cordero Patterson. They would allow Atlanta to have a uh, starting field position between the 30 and the 35 on a squib kick instead of kicking into the end zone, just kicking it through the end zone, knowing that Patterson was going to bring it out. Oh, because he was going to bring it out. He was going to bring it out, and he's had eight. He has more kickoff returns for touchdown in NFL history than anyone. Well, look, I may be soft on Chester Rogers, but I like Chester Rogers because he's better than Khalif Raymond. And so it's a step up, even though it's not a big enough step up. It's incrementally better. That's how well, bad the Titans are. But here's the thing. Is w- he not? Would that have been Darrington Evans 
as the kickoff return. I don't know. Darrington Evans. Darren, I call him Darrington. Uh, uh, it, it drives Everybody me crazy because right? I feel like that's how it, I feel like it's a bug in my ear that I hear everyone say that, but I don't think they are. Everybody sounds like they're saying Darrington Evans, but it's Darrington Evans. Would he be the kickoff returner? I don't know. Darrington Evans does not did not look very fast to me in the preseason. I don't know if that was a, a injury or or what. He might be the kickoff returner. I don't know that he'd be doing a hell of a lot better than Chester Rogers. When so. do we start to look at not the kickoff and punt returner, but the team, the unit. but the coach of the special teams unit that all these guys cycle through that gets nothing done? That once again in this game looks like it's difficult to get lined up for a kick. <laughs> I mean, I think I, it's I entirely fair. Entirely fair. It's amazing to me. Does Craig Ackerman have photos on the front office? <laughs> I mean, the guy's the interim coach when Vrabel they, goes out. They like him. I, I, <laughs> well, great. I, I mean, I, I've liked plenty of people who suck at their job. It doesn't because, mean they should keep their job. Well, it's not, it, well I mean, it doesn't mean that, uh, that he it's has like photos on anyone either. I mean, they just they like him as a coach for some reason. I, I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying. It's not like special teams or anything special anymore. Well, they're special. Especially, no, they're just very average. Especially bad at times. They're just very average, which is not good enough. Well, I don't remember the lining up issues. Remind me about the specifics. Well, they had an issue in the first game um, where they weren't lined up on a play, and it just always looks like there's a lack of communication when they're getting lined up for a field goal or extra point. I have to there's a lot of guys like getting into place. I think Lawan Lawan was late to come back on the field um, for that extra point in the first game I think maybe um, yeah, there was a I, lot there was they were discombobulated there is room for them to be better on special teams I do kind of feel like in this day and age if you're I feel like the gap between the best special team I, I, I should research this to find out if it's true I feel like the gap between the very good special teams teams and the very bad special teams teams has shrunk based on all the rules and stuff no wedges yeah. and all of that that it's a less big deal, and all you're trying to do it's is just so like, rare to see a, a team avoid a player, right? On special teams, right? And uh, yeah, they're so doing Patterson that. Patterson is is a, yeah. is a big deal, but there, how many of them are there? It's it's more and more rare, it seems to me. Well, I, I least want them to take the option of give, giving me the touchback. Yeah, I want you to instead get the of touchback. kicking to my returner on purpose. Yes, because he poses zero threat of doing any damage. So let's yeah, and and let's be fair. Like I think Chad pointed out interestingly there, he and his blocking give give or do not scare you that they're going to get beyond the twenty five. Coming up, we must discuss how scared the Vols should be going to Gainesville, or should they? Based on what Florida did to Alabama last week, keeping that game close and nearly winning that game, a bad two point conversion call, missed kick earlier in that game. What are the, the balls, difference? What are the balls facing as they go to Gainesville this week? We'll set the table for Tennessee and Florida next on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. Listening on radio or watching online, we appreciate that. Across the network, you can follow us at Outkick 360. Tennessee at Florida this week. Florida, the Gators putting up quite the performance against Alabama. Alabama escapes with that win. They escape the swamp with another W, but it was not easy 
against Dan Mullen's crew. And now we get to see the Vols, who I, I, I mentioned yesterday, we didn't speak a whole lot about the Vols yesterday because, and for good reason, we like Matchbox 20. For good reason, um, there were nothing. There was nothing to talk about from that game, Chad. There, there was the balls got in and got out the way they should be. Yep, and that's that. You're right. That's good news for Tennessee because we're not going to spend a lot of time on Tennessee Tech because they were 41 point favorites and they won 56 to nothing. And uh, that's what you do against Tennessee Tech. Now, here is why I believe this game will be over by halftime against Florida. And this is a disturbing trend with Tennessee. I understand that Jabari Small, their starting running back, was injured and didn't play. He should be back for this game in the Swamp. Tyon Evans was back. They sort of eased him in a little bit in this game. Jalen Wright, the true freshman, got a lot of run. Tennessee's not getting any run from their running backs. Uh, They didn't get any push and run from their running backs against Tennessee Tech. The bulk of their yardage in the ground game came on quarterback scrambles from Hendon Hooker when people weren't open or quarterback run plays. That's not going to cut it against what is a very talented Florida defense. And guys, here is the stat that should give everyone in the SEC a lot of pause about this Florida team. Florida just tripled up Alabama in the run game and averaged seven yards per carry. They ran it all over the tide. Tennessee has been much improved against the run. I think they're averaging giving up 1.8 yards per carry. Longest run of the year uh, was uh, in the pit game was 13 yards on a quarterback scramble from Kenny Pickett. They've been very good against the run, but they have not faced a dual threat like you're going to see with Florida. Emory Jones can run it. Oh, by the way, Anthony Richardson, Dan Mullen says fully healthy. He's going to play against Tennessee. Yep. He's a better running option than Emory Jones. Tennessee is going to be hard-pressed to stop this Florida ground attack. And on the flip side of it, you just can't rely on quarterback runs alone to run the football against a team like Florida. For that reason, and Tennessee is going to play faster in this game. That's what they want to do. That's how they think they can negate the crowd and the noise. It's snapping it quick because the crowd doesn't have a chance to get going at that point. They'll get going. Those are quick three and outs is the problem. That, if you right. don't get something on first down. You have to have some if it's tempo. A, if it's a negative or no gain on first down, then it's really difficult against this Florida defense to get something going. And you're punting in 40 seconds if you're playing as fast as Tennessee wants to play. Uh, Florida played really well against the, the best team. They could play a lot less well and be just fine on Saturday. And that's probably how it goes. Well, and look, I do think that uh, you're fighting against the hangover of the huge mm-hmm. game if you're Florida. I mean, there's no way around it. I do think playing at night, though, helps them. This is an 11 a.m. kickoff. It's probably a little bit different. So getting that night kickoff will, will help Florida avoid that hangover. Um, I think Tennessee's offense is one that they're probably going to have some guys open because Florida's going to play very aggressively. If they get just enough time to throw the football – they're going to have some guys behind the Florida defense, and they've got speed at wide receiver to do that. They haven't shown the ability to connect. A buddy of mine uh, sent me a text today. I don't know if he wants me to give his full name. His name is Green. We'll call him Green. Labeled Joe <laughs> Milton with a reservoir dogs? No, he's green. Yeah, not, not Mr. Green, just Green. Uh, he labeled uh, Joe Milton with a new nickname, Joe Mile High Milton, as the starting quarterback for Tennessee. And that's what he's been so far this season. I don't have a lot of faith that that's just going to correct itself against Florida. Maybe I'm wrong. Hendon Hooker has shown a better ability with a deep ball. He still has not been great 
Um, I like the fact that Josh Heupel postgame was asked about it and said, is it reassuring to know that you're scheming up plays to get guys open even if you're not hitting them down the field? And he said, no. He said, we work really hard to execute those plays, and it takes everyone. Mm. we got to execute it. Quarterback's got to throw it. Receiver's got to catch it. Because it's one thing against Bowling Green and Tennessee Tech. You can miss some of those throws and be fine. Honestly, it's probably okay against Florida because I don't know that you beat Florida even if you hit those throws. So if you miss a few, it's not a big a deal. But when you get up against Missouri the next week, South Carolina, Kentucky, some of these 50-50 swing games on the schedule, you miss one big opportunity like that, it could be the difference in the game. And Josh Heifel knows that. And they've got to figure out a way to be better. I also want to see them. They can use tempo and run their offense, but I've, I've mentioned this the last two weeks. And Pittsburgh, Pitt had a chance to really open up the floodgates in the second quarter where Tennessee was going with their tempo and they were, Chad's right, quick three and out, giving the football back to a hot offense. The, the difference with Pitt and with Florida is I think Florida will mount the points and you can really dig yourself a hole. There, there are times where a four, five, six-minute drive, even if it does not result in points, can be a win on Saturday because you possess the football and you give your defense a breather. That's huge yeah. this week against Florida in the Swamp. Well, those three and out. I mean, Tennessee's defense, I even came away, they give up 41 points against Pitt, but I'm still thinking, boy, the defense played hard and played pretty well right? because yep. they were able to get when their backs were against the wall, they got a couple of three and outs. Gave Tennessee's offense a chance to go down and tie it in the fourth quarter. I'm not seeing many three and out opportunities the way Florida runs it against this Tennessee defense. But I will say, Tennessee's defense has been a bit of a pleasant surprise for me this year. And the way they've played against the, the run, they've been better than I expected. That defensive line, specifically. Defensive line's veteran, and, and they've played well. Paul, you asked for a Tuesday end-of-show rant. You have the floor, sir. Tennessee Titans have a lot of problems on the offensive line, but you know what they're not going to do? They're not going to sign a guy off the street. And by off the street, I mean literally the street. (laughs) There's a guy standing in the media parking lot named Jalen Fry. Fly, F-L-Y-E. 6'8", 325, he went to Austin P. Some of the local media couldn't resist. He's holding a sign. It's a nice video. They get 25,000 clicks on it. John Robinson is not looking for offensive linemen in the media parking lot, nor should he be. And I can't believe the number of people in the Titans fan base who are naive enough to say, it's so bad, why don't we give this guy a look? (laughs) What are you thinking? Look, the Titans offensive line acquisitions are not good. Kendall Lamb's a disaster and Dylan Radin's an embarrassment. But the mileage between that guy and this guy is is, uh, 25 Joe Milton overthrows. So just let them find people by normal avenues. I have people on Facebook who come to me all the time. They Joe say, Mile High Milton to you, Paul. They, they say, I want to play for the Titans. And you know what I send them back all the time? <laughs> they send me their tape. They send me their bios. You know what I tell them all the time? The Titans know. The Titans know that you want to play for them. They've got tape of everybody in the world. They've got databases. They've got data banks. They've got spreadsheets. They know that this guy Jalen Fly is available to them. He doesn't have to stand in their parking lot. They know he's available. Please don't buy into this story. It's like a fairy tale. Go make a movie about it. Write a script. This guy is not ending up in a Titans uniform. If he does, I will be here for an emergency show to blast them because it's not how you fix the problem. 
If he does, if they do make a movie, Sandra Bullock will play the mom. Uh, <laughs> read your thoughts. Uh, two things. First, uh, flies open. Let's go pee. Also, uh, to yeah, play, he fits right in. To play devil's advocate, can he kick, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea if he can kick. One prediction. Gil Beverly is going to make that man the 12th Titan for a home game. <laughs> yeah. He'll be waving the sword and planting Ladies it in the and ground. Gentlemen. Turn your attention to the field for a man of honor, a man of perseverance, a man who stood in a parking lot to get a professional football job it's Jalen Fly Sadler now after Hutton does He's our 6 by the way I've got his stats up here from uh, Austin P. after Hutton says goodbye I'll tell you the one thing that might make me reconsider goodbye if this guy doesn't block the box and he locks the locks, everything changes. Hit us up, Outkick360 on Twitter, on YouTube, Facebook, wherever, at Outkick360. We will catch you tomorrow. Primary complaint. Paul didn't save this for primary complaint, which means he's I got a better wait. one. I he's got wait. a better one. Join us tomorrow across the network. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.